Hey everybody, welcome to Identical Cousins number 14. 14. The title, uh, the Brent? Partners in Crime. Music. Brent. Dun, 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 dun. Cousin, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, we have some exciting, exciting, exciting things going on today. Well, we have Nick Bradbury. We have our first guest on Identical Cousins. Well, you're saying he's not exciting because you didn't say yes? Uh, I was elaborating. I was saying oh, okay. exactly what is exciting. I'm excited by Nick Bradbury. Hello, Nick. Hey, how's it going, guys? Very well. So the title is very apropos because, uh, well, Brent, you go ahead. Uh, because Nick and I have been co-workers in the past in well, two separate tours of duty, actually, and uh, both RSS readers, uh, RSS reader authors, uh, Nick with Feed Demon for Windows and me with My Little Thing. So it's safe to so, assume that we have a lot of topics today based on, let's say, Google Reader? That'd be one, sure. Yeah. All right, get an RSS? Yep, yep, that's a good one. All right, excellent. I'm, I'm excited about this episode myself. Well, let's get started. Uh, Nick, where, where the hell do you live? I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. Knoxville, Spend Tennessee. Most of my life is in the basement of my house. Yeah, sure. There, isn't, there aren't a whole ton of developers in, in Tennessee, uh, I'm thinking. It's uh, kind of a little bit out of the, out of the way. Um, so what's it I like to be a developer living in Tennessee? Well, I'm probably not the, the typical developer because I honestly don't get out a whole lot. Um, it sounds pretty but, typical to me, actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that would be uh, typical or non-typical compared to you, Brent. I know you get out all the time. Mm, uh, I'm a shut-in. <laughs> Brent's a party animal. There are quite a few developers uh, in the area, more than you might think. Um, but it seems like there's a higher concentration of .NET and Windows developers in this area, at least. A friend of mine in Knoxville, uh, Victor Agreta Jr., you know him? No, I don't. You don't. He's like the uh, head of Tua. You guys should meet up. I'll uh, I'll do an introduction. All right. Victor's but that would force Nick to get out of the house. That, that well, wait, wait, wait. That's idea. true. Nick, do you yeah. not want to get out of the house? Because then I won't do the introduction. <laughs> no, I'm fine to get out of the house. I just yeah. don't do it very much. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. There's yeah. actually, and it's funny, uh, Brent. In Tennessee, there's actually a lot of developers in the Nashville area. Yes, definitely. And the reason, the, the big draw, of course, is Griffin Technology, which is there. Um, so, you know, they have a ton of people employed, but then I think people split off and go and do other things. They're sort of, I, would you, I mean, obviously there's a lot of music technology and other stuff, Nick, but would you say like Griffin is definitely a driver of a lot of the iOS Mac stuff there? Honestly, I, I couldn't say for sure. Um, Fair enough. Developers that I know in Nashville uh, weren't working for them, but there were a lot more in indie developers. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people working in social technology, which I guess was related to the music scene. Yeah, and there's just, I, I just know, like, I could easily name five or six developers, maybe ten, actually, that live in Nashville. It just seems that there's a lot of developers there. Yeah. All right, so you live in Knoxville. Continue. Tell us, tell us a little bit about, like, what type of development you do and what you like to do. All right, sure. Well, I started off development uh, on a TRS-80 when I was about 15 or so. Coco? See, see, Nick and I have always been at odds. I was an Apple II Plus guy, and I hated those TRS-80 people. <laughs> just... Just like, ah, oh, it was the devil. The, the Coco, right? Yeah, that's right. And the only thing I liked about the Apple II was the games, if I remember correctly. Oh, sure, yeah. I was a Commodore 64 guy. Yeah, okay, Vic, good Vic games. 20, Vic 20 and Commodore 64. Yeah, good games, for sure. So, um, 
I don't know. I, I taught myself how to program. Eventually started writing um, assembler language games. Uh, started a company when I was about 18 that flopped miserably. Uh, I what just had uh, D&N software for Dad and Nick because he had, to, <laughs> he had to sign for me to create the company. Right, of course. Um, Other than that, he did nothing? Well, he bought the computer in the first place, hoping that it would... <laughs> he was the seed investor. He was. That's okay, was, all right. You got you know, to have the money to make the honey. He was the geek pusher. I think he bought the computer because I was really not doing too well in school, and he thought I could uh, stand a hobby, and it turned out he was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was what you would call an insta-geek right away. Just loved it. Anyway, uh, once the first company failed... Um, I ended up attending the University of Missouri Rolla, trying to get a, gr- a degree in comp sci, and funny enough, I flunked out. Uh, not the fault of the school. I just wasn't that interested in it. Went into journalism at the University of Tennessee and uh, went back to my first love, which was cartooning. Um, I did a daily strip for the University of Tennessee uh, newspaper, did editorial cartoons, some stuff, other stuff in the area. Love doing that. Uh, but once I got out of college, I realized no one pays for cartoons. Mm. Um, so I'd struggled for a couple of years trying to find people to publish the, the cartoons. And that's when the World Wide Web hit. And I was like, well, I don't need a publisher. Here it is. Mm-hmm. So built a website in 1993, I think it was, uh, pre-Netscape. So it was like, was it Lynx or whatever? Was it Lynx? I can't remember the name of it. Okay. I think it was some O'Reilly thing. Interesting. Hmm. Navigator? No. Jesus, what was it called? Yeah, I have yeah, no idea. Whatever. You'd, you'd, Mosaic was around, right? I was it Mosaic. Why Mosaic. Links had something. Why did the word links pop in my head? It was something with that links. was the command line. Okay, yeah. that was where you got like color text, right? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, the yeah, text-based yeah. web browser. Well, yeah, but it was it was web browsing. Te- All right, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough yeah. Yeah. But mosaic. That's what that was. What really I was thinking of. Yeah, that's right. NCSA mosaic. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, did the, the site for a little while, but found that it was a real pain to update. You know, there was no really good tools back then, so I ended up uh, teaching myself Windows programming, wrote my own HTML editor, uh, and just on a whim one night, put it on the cartoon site, and woke up the next morning to find out it had been linked to by one of the big Windows download sites, uh, and a few thousand people had come and gotten it. Um, God, long story short, I'll just say that uh, ended up becoming home site at uh, uh, HTML editor for Windows, and it was much more popular than my cartoons, and I haven't really drawn any cartoons since then. Hmm. Uh, got sucked into the world of uh, independent development. Well, for, for creative people, software is a creative endeavor, and yes. it's cool that it actually pays money at the same time. Oh, yes. That comes in very handy when you like yes. toys, yes. Yes, it really does, yeah. Yeah, and that you need a lot of time to kill to like play around, right? Because a lot of this is design, dreaming, trial and error. I mean, from my point of view, when I'm designing stuff, I take a lot of time because I want it to be good, right? Right. You have to have money to afford that time. Mm-hmm. So goodies and time are definitely part of, I would think, my arsenal. You know, it's funny though. I look back. Uh, you know, it seems strange that I was a cartoonist. You know, how the heck can I get from cartooning to programming? But I keep finding that the background in cartooning has actually uh, helped me a lot with design. You know, because cartoons, uh, at least the newspaper-style cartoons, you have this tiny amount of space where you want to get your idea out. Definitely. Um, 
Well, I, I equate it to like the old games, right? Like I'll talk about the Atari 2600 games and how the developers oh, sure. of that had 2K, 4K, 6K, 8K, then 16. You know where I'm going. Right. And it's like those games to me, when I go back and play a 2600 or Intellivision Classic, those yeah. games actually keep me more like, I don't want to say challenged, but more enthralled than like a current game. The current games are beautiful, sure, and they have so much depth and warmth and whatever, but it's a lot of eye candy now. It is. Um, and honestly, games are something I have to stay away from because it's kind of like crack for me. If you get me hooked on a new game, that's it. You won't hear from me for days. Same with me. And actually, I was really big into the game industry. That's why I started with the Commodore. And I ended up actually working for a video game company at one point. And I, it was a point where I was just, I, my life was video games. And I just <laughs> did like a hard stop. And literally, I don't think, I mean, sure, I'll play a game here or there. But when everyone's like, oh, here's the new shiny. Or, oh, my God, you got to get this Xbox game. Or, I, I avoid it because I just, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to get sucked in. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's happened to me a couple times the last few years. Uh, I have a 13-year-old son, and he loves his Xbox. I bet. And I was wanting him to get more interested in music, so I bought Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Um, By the way, speaking of Guitar Hero, that was the one game where on my Nintendo Wii, we have a, I have a 7-year-old now, but we've had a Wii for a while, I was like, all right, I'll just start playing Guitar Hero. In fact, I think Brent knows this, because when we were at 360 iDev and stuff, I was doing rocking out with Rock Band and stuff. I got sucked right back in. That's when I was like, yeah, I got to stay away from games. Like, uh-huh. I was playing Guitar Hero for hours. Yeah, that's like, exactly yeah, what I'm happened to me. <laughs> I was getting good at playing guitar on a, you know, five-button flipper, but yeah. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, that's a money-making skill right there. Oh, yeah, I could take that to the bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go ahead, Nick. Did we lose Nick? Maybe we did. We did. Actually, his connection is showing as, as doing something. So hopefully oh, okay. he'll get back on. I think maybe he lost his internet. So yeah, at least I still have you, Brent. Uh, yeah. Hey, you guys there? We have each other. Oh, we have each other. What should we talk about? I don't know. Well, we were talking about games. Jeez. So I, I play Letterpress. Yeah, it's tell me like about my games. one game. Yeah. And? And that's it. I just play Letterpress. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, I'm really not a, not a game person. I was. Try to get Nick back, kid. shall we? Well, I've been put on hold. I'm still trying to get Nick back. Okay. Not sure what's going on, but I will uh, I will be working on it. Keep talking about games. The problem with me talking about games is that I have almost nothing to say. Yeah. The last video game I played with any regularity, I think, was Maelstrom. Hey, I'm back. Oh, he's back. Okay, great. All right. Okay. We'll Sorry keep this all that. live because, you know, it shows the technical fun of uh, trying to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So you were talking about games. Continue. Yeah, I would. I got hooked on Guitar Hero, and uh, yeah, I had to put it away and say, just don't expose me to these things again. Mm. And then, of course, a little while later, I found Left for Dead, and I just have this weird addiction to zombie things. And that game sucked me in like crazy for probably a week. And you know, then I realized, well, you know, I actually pay my own bills with the software I do. I might want to stop playing. <laughs> so I just uninstalled everything. Mm-hmm. Why are we talking about games? Well, that was how uh, how I started out, and it sounds like that's how uh, your cousin Michael started. Yeah, true. in fact, when, when I was very young, I broke games for my Apple II Plus, too. I think a lot of developers get hooked when they're in their early teens or whatever that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, I will totally. tell you a little uh, tidbit. I, I've, I've told a few people this now that I tell this on the podcast. It's going to shoot me in the foot. But I just don't care because that's how I roll. I've, I always have an itching to do a game. Like, you know, I started in the video game industry. I actually had worked for Acclaim Entertainment for a few years. Um, I, I was pretty much going in that direction as a career. And then I realized the video game industry is rough. I mean, it's just like working in Hollywood. Like, you have to deal right. with stuff that is dictated by the higher-ups. I mean, sure, you could say that's in every company, but the games were really just basically money makers, right? They chased the profits. You know the whole new Activision, Electronic Arts, right? It's profit centers. But I've always had the itching to do a game, and I, I want to do a game at some point. So um, I already have an idea for something. So there will be a game in the future. Okay. Yeah? Is that, is that intriguing to you? If it's a word game, I'll play it. Nope, no word game. It's it's a, right. it's a fun game, like an action game or a uh, skill, I don't want, skill I don't strategy like, game. I don't want fun games. I want word games. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Can't man. Well, the last game I wrote was an Easter egg that I put into Feed Demon. <laughs> so is it a game when you trigger it? Yeah. Nice. It's a hell of an Easter egg, too. It's it's like a whole game. It's it a is. video game. Yeah. I'm like, that's just a whole separate Damn that's app. just his test bed to see if it actually would be good so then he could release it if people liked it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, no risk. Yeah. And if there's any Feed Demon users here uh, listening, just uh, go to the uh, address bar in Feed Demon and type, uh, I think it's Feed Demon Easter Egg, and it'll just pop right up. Cool. Yeah. I actually played that game for like 10 minutes. Oh, you did? Yeah, I totally did. Yeah. Well, probably longer than me. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. So you sold Homesite to Alaire? Yeah, that was right. Um, in 1994, 95, something like that. Okay. Stayed with them for, uh, I think it was 18 months, and I just had the itch to be independent again. Mm-hmm. Um, so after leaving them, I then developed Top Style. CSS editor. That's right. And well, that one int- of the first that I can even think of hearing of. I think it was the first, but uh-huh. uh, don't quote me on that because I'm not yeah. exactly sure. Sure. Um, I think the, the trick I did with that was I uh, enabled it to be embedded within HomeSite. So that mm-hmm. way all HomeSite customers would have a need for it. Mm-hmm. Smart. So did that for several years. Um, that is now being taken care of by another developer who has just done an incredible job on it. Uh, much better job than I did. Uh, and uh, God, what was it? 2003, 2004. Started reading about this whole thing called RSS. And I was like, well, I'm a news junkie. I might want to give this a look. Uh, and then my wife saw that mad scientist look in my eyes, realized I was going to be hidden mm-hmm. away for several days coding, uh-huh. uh, ended up going away with the kids for the weekend. And when she came back, I had the, uh, the basic core of uh, feed demon written. Very cool. And I think that was, that's the favorite, favorite, uh, piece of software that I've written for me. It was just so much fun to use mm-hmm. just because I am a news junkie. Right. Now, did you and Brent meet each other um, prior to you doing Feed Demon? You would met at a Gnome Dex, didn't we? Yeah, of course, Feed Demon and, Net- and NetNewsWire both existed by that time, and that would have been like 2004 or five, probably. Yeah, because I look at Feed Demon, and I, um, I've always thought it was a nice app, and it, you know, it's very similar, if you will, to NetNewsWire. And what's interesting is you guys didn't really know each other, but you kind of did a similar type layout and similar type. I mean, obviously there's differences, which is great because it should be platform appropriate. But I'm just saying it's very interesting that you guys both kind of did the same kind of solution to RSS reading. Well, I, I guess we had similar ideas at first. And then um, uh, we knew each other online and I just started stealing shit from, from Feed Demon. Oh, nice. Okay, good. Yeah. Now the story's out, folks. 
Yeah. <laughs> and actually, we had plenty of conversations online where, you know, even though we were both developing ours as readers, the fact that they're on different platforms made us feel like we're not competitors. Yeah. So we would yeah. share ideas, and we tried to do things the same way in certain cases. Well, that's really cool because it makes the product better. It doesn't matter what platform it's on. The product is the product, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's good for me. Yeah, I seem to remember one time, Brent, you and I had both declared at the same time that we're not going to read uh, Adam feeds that were invalid. Mm, yeah, right. And boy, did that cause a storm. <laughs> it sure did. I, uh, Mark, <laughs> that was Mark. the last time Nick listened to you. <laughs> Mark, yeah, Mark Pilgrim came down on me like a ton of bricks. Huh. Yeah, I, I remember getting tons of email and uh, comments in my blog about it. How can you do that? You're accepting invalid RSS. And I was, you know, we were both saying, well, we've been accepting invalid RSS, and it's a real pain. Mm-hmm. We'd like to not do that going forward. Let's do it right this time. Well, and I, and I naively thought, too, that it would be good uh, for Adam if if there was some pressure to, on publishers to make sure that their feeds are good. Right. And um, I thought that the people who created Adam would actually appreciate that idea. Uh, but no. Yeah, I had the same naive idea, too. Didn't work yeah. out. No. And in retrospect, it was kind of silly. I mean, yeah. We, yeah. there's no way you can require people to create valid content because they just won't. No, this is the web. It's, it's all a soup of suck. <laughs> That's right. And our job was to unsuck it. Yeah, that's right. And, and nobody knows better than RSS reader authors just how bad this stuff is. Oh yeah, you know, it's funny. When Google Reader died, there were so many people, or not died, but announced that it was going to be dead. Yeah. There were so many people saying, well, RSS reader is easy to write. You know, people can just write their own. Mm-hmm. Or they're recommending that, you know, just write your own sync platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, but boy, there's a whole lot more to it than you might think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do. You can get part of the way there uh, with some Python scripts in in an afternoon or two, and then it'll take you three years to really get it good. Right. Yeah, I kind of liken the RSS reader to uh, you know seeing a a flock of ducks in a pond. You know, they look so graceful floating on the pond, but if you look under them, there's a whole bunch of legs kicking. <laughs> and and duck shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the water underneath is very tumultuous. Yes. Did you guys ever? Uh, uh, the, this, so there's two British shows: downsta- upstairs, downstairs, and uh, Downton Abbey. Sure. All right, you know those shows, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so there was a uh, you know the Red Nose Day they do when they're doing the um, charity stuff in in the UK. No. So basically, no, actually, I don't. Red Nose Day is this thing where they have celebrities raise money for famine and good causes. But it tends to be a comedian thing because then you put on a red nose like as a comic or a clown. Okay. So they did a really, 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 really funny, um, um, uh, really funny spoof. Uh, I have to find it now because I'm going to get the title wrong. So basically, they took Downton Abbey and Upstairs Downstairs and they called it Upstairs da- What'd they call it? I have to find it now. So anyway, it's the funniest thing. And in the beginning, they're like, much like a, a, a swan that looks so elegant and above, below the waters are murky and tumultuous. <laughs> mm, okay. And basically it talks about how the people downstairs are all rich and wealthy, uh, upstairs are w- rich and wealthy, and the servants live downstairs, you know, and they have a completely different life. Mm. That would be the duck shit that Brent referred to. <laughs> yes. Pretty much, yeah, pretty, much yeah. pretty much. So it's just, it's really funny. So it's called... Upstairs, downstairs, Abbey. I'll have uh, Brent link to the two videos because they're on YouTube. There's two okay. parts to it. 
funniest stuff ever. Just awesome. Cool. It even has Kim Cattrall in it. Oh, I like her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she a Klingon? Uh, I can't tell you. You'll have to watch the clips. Oh, dear. Okay. All right, cool. Well, anyway, it's just a, you, you reminded me of that intro thing. So when you see that intro and you hear of the duck paddling thing, you'll remember Brent's uh, shit bottom joke. <laughs> a shit bottom joke. Yes. Okay. And Brent, make a note <laughs> to do explicit flag on this episode, please. Oh, fuck. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, now I can say fuck, too. It's okay. Right. Yeah, I was wondering if I could say fuck. Now you yeah, can say you fuck. Can. Yeah. Once the door's been opened, it's wide open. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll flag it and you can say fuck. Yep. Cool. So we're doing the HBO, HBO version. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Identical fucking cousins. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Oh, man, we should have done an April Fool's episode. What's wrong with us? Next uh, year. Next I year. I don't know. Yeah. All right, so back to Nick, because he's the guest. Actually, uh, let's yeah. see. We're about halfway through, Brent. We have something to announce. Oh, wow. We do? Uh, don't we? Do we? I, I what do we have do. to announce? Our sponsor? Oh, Jesus Christ. Fuck yes, we have to. We we have a sponsor uh, for the for the fourth week in a row. We're very grateful to uh, Microsoft Windows Azure Mobile Services. See, this uh, is good sponsoring, and Microsoft gets it. It's all mm-hmm. about persistence. And for yeah. the people wondering, well, why would they, you know, sponsor extra? Because that's how you do it. Because now you know Windows Azure Mobile iOS Services. Continue, Brent. Hey, yeah, that's right. www.windowsazure.com/slash iOS. And if you go there, you'll see me uh, doing some videos that shows you just how easy it is to put together a back end for your iOS app. Or, you know, it also supports Android, supports Windows phones. I think you can even do websites with this stuff. So you can go all cross-platforming if you want to, which is cool. Uh, I hear some people like the Androids these days. I wouldn't know about that, but <laughs> I guess might. Um, what would you say about that, Nick? Well, yes. Uh, after... 15 something years of Windows development, I just uh, switched to Android. All right, good. Uh, Continue, Brent. (laughs) And that's. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to make sure there's someone out there that likes Android. Yeah, sure. And and actually, it's maybe an interesting story as to how that happened, but we'll get to that in a minute. We're talking about Azure Mobile Services. Did I say it was easy? It's really, really easy. Um, And you can leave all the headaches, right, of keeping the server secure and maintained and everything to Microsoft. Let them deal with it. That's what they're there for. You just, you know, write your stuff. Like we've said in previous weeks, don't write it off because it's Microsoft, because I've got some feedback about it. It's like, give it a try. You're yeah. actually missing out on really good tools that actually save you time and make your development better. Mm-hmm. Good tech is good tech. Good services are good services. Yep. doesn't matter where they come from. And good sponsors are good sponsors. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Anyway, well, being, being the, the independent voice, uh, I'll say I've heard a lot of good things about it, too. Hmm, probably more, from us, though. More shilling for the man from Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, side note, we're, we also use Azure with uh, Azure, however you pronounce Azure, that. Azure, Azure, Azure. Yeah, that A thing. We yeah. use that with Glassboard, and that's been great for us. Yeah, so they actually, there you go. There's an actual testimonial from a satisfied customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would never have talked to those people had that not been true. But because Azure was so great for Glassboard, I'm like, cool, yeah, I'll talk to you. And I like yeah, but you're biased, so. Brent. You can't be like, yeah, use it on Glassboard, and it was great, right? But Nick, Nick is a third party. It's cool. Well, Nick works on Glassboard. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But he's a third party now. Like, oh, he's right, not getting sure. sponsored by Microsoft. That's right. That's exactly right. I'm no, trying, no, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, make sure Nick, you know, feels like a you know, Glassboard developer using Azure officially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So you wrote Feed Demon, Nick, and that was a monster hit, like your two previous uh, pieces of software. 
And what, you end up selling that to Newsgator or some damn thing? Yeah, me and some other guy sold our RSS readers to the same company. Go figure. That's weird. That's strange. It's probably all about syncing or some damn thing. Very yeah. strange. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a similar situation to what uh, people are facing today with the death of reader. You know, mm-hmm. there was no good sync platform, and it's a lot harder to write one than you might think, especially in mm-hmm. 2005. Yeah, Syncing sure. is hard. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and the, technolo- the server-side technology was more difficult and a lot more expensive in those days. So yes. the idea of, you know, uh, writing it yourself was really just not an option. Yeah, yeah, so, so we went to NewsGator and we worked for a, a Denver company. That when I went there was a complete Microsoft shop. That's right. This was before iPhones or anything. Uh, I think I was the only Mac user in a company of, I don't know, it was probably 30, 40 people when I started. Um, there might have been a couple iPods in there. But yeah, it was pure Windows top to bottom. It scared the hell out of me. <laughs> It was kind of funny. Every time I visited, I slowly saw more Macs creeping around. I started calling you a Mac virus. Mm-hmm. I think it started with Greg, and then, yeah, started That's right. seeing them more and more. And then uh, iPhones, and then iPads started creeping in. And I think it still thinks of itself as a Windows place. And it is largely, but, uh, yeah, it's changing. Yeah, there's a, a lot of iPhone users, a lot of iPad users, surprising number of Android users. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of Mac users these days, but of course the the main software is still, uh, well, I'd say Microsoft based because uh, yeah. it you know it's tied to SharePoint. Right, sure. So uh, back back to the whole RSS thing. It was kind of funny. We did get acquired by NewsGator because we needed a sync platform. Uh, even back then, people were use, starting to use multiple computers. They didn't want to have to have separate unread counts on different computers. So we just had to add syncing. <laughs> And then what? That lasted a few years. Yeah. And it kind of dawned on them that they weren't making a whole lot of money off of it, so they ditched their sync platform, which put us in the position of switching to Google Reader syncing, which was also a huge feature request. A lot of our users wanted that anyway. Yeah. So that's right. But uh, I was listening to your previous uh, podcast, I guess from last week, where you talked about that, and you're right. There was no documentation on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to use a you know fiddler or whatever browser sniffer to figure out the traffic uh, to figure out their API so we could even use it. Yeah, all the documentation I used was what you wrote. Oh, okay. Yep. And now, of course, that's dying too. Yeah. Well, I'm actually really, really glad. I think it's going to be good for the RSS reader market. We'll see some innovation and interesting new things. Uh, I really do think it's been just... More or less frozen in time since yeah, Google Reader became ascendant in 2009 or whatever that was. Yeah. But the fate of Feed Demon. Ah, um, uh, yes, that. What's going on with Feed Demon? Well, um, after Reader announced their death, I just knew that th- there's no way I would have time to figure out another sync platform, integrate with one, or write my own. Um, I was already struggling to work on Feed Demon as it is because I'm, you know, I'm a full-time Android developer these days. Uh, I knew that at some point I'd have to say goodbye to Feed Demon, just announce that it was dying. So then when Google Reader announced their death, I was like, you know, there's not going to be another version of Feed Demon. Uh, there's not going to be a new sync platform. So I let people know that uh, this is going to be the last version. Um, that was pretty hard to do because, yeah, as I, I said... Yeah, that was uh, that was the favorite thing that I worked on. I really enjoyed that. 
Mm-hmm. And I think I worked on that longer than any other product I ever did. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. You started, would you say 2003? I th- it was 2003 or 2004. I think okay. it was 2003. I know it was, af- it was after Net Newswire. Uh-huh. So nine years, ten years, yeah. That's about how long I was on that newswire too, and yeah. that, that was my favorite, you know, of my career for sure. That's right. Uh, so is, your, is the last person of feed demon going to be free and just do standalone reading? Is that is that the plan? Yeah, the plan is sometime uh, before. Change the name. Sorry to interrupt, but change the name to Freed Demon. <laughs> Freebird. Freed Freebird. Yeah. Feedbird. Everyone everyone always asks for Freebird. How come there's no Feedbird? There you go. Someone's going to make that app now. Take yeah. an idea. Oh, well. So, yeah, the, <laughs> the last version <laughs> of Feedium is going to come out before the end of uh, Google Reader. It's going to be completely free, no ads, and it won't have syncing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually bring some levity to the discussion if you didn't notice. Oh, yeah, we are talking about death here. So, yeah, yes, please. Yes, it's true. Levity you, versus uh, deathity? It's... <laughs> I got, I, I, as long as I'm getting people to laugh, I really just don't care. Continue. Hey, I'm it's, trying to give you about, a laugh track here. I hope it's working. <laughs> Do you have one of those soundboard things? You hit the button. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I've actually got this free version written already. Uh, uh-huh. I'm using, using it every day. But, of course, I don't want to put it out right now because Google Reader's still alive. People can use syncing. Mm-hmm. I have Shame. no clue if this is going to work, but... Did you guys hear anything? Barely. Nope. Ah, darn, it's a laugh track thing. Uh, it just okay. doesn't work. All right, never mind. It just wasn't funny. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> Even the computer knows. <laughs> <laughs> it muted you. Yeah, all right, continue. All right. Um, now, the first time you use this, the next version of Feed Demon, it'll just automatically convert your Google Reader subscriptions to local. Oh, and nice. From then on, yeah, there's nothing you have to do. It's just automatic. Zero yeah. conf. Yes. Yeah. At least well, that's, that's the right way. Yeah. That's, the, that's hope. the hope and the dream. Yeah. 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 We'll see how that pans out. <laughs> Famous last words. Right. And uh, I've let people know that's going to be the very last version that's ever created. Mm. Adios, well, muchachos and muchachas. Yeah. Y muchachas. <coughs> I consider Feed Demon one of, one of the big apps of the uh, 2000 to uh, 2010 ish era. NetNewsWire, oh. too. And uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, a moment to notice when it kind of, you know, goes away and gets its end of life. It's, it's worth taking a moment to pause and reflect and say, wow, that was a really, really awesome app. A moment of silence for Feed Burner, please. Feed Demon. Feed Demon. <laughs> and Feed Burner. Probably. Yeah. That, was a Freud, that was a Freudian slip, if you know what I mean, Brent. <laughs> yeah. Moment of silence. Okay, silence is <laughs> over. See, that could have used the laugh track right there. Yeah. Darn, yeah. This, 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 I don't know. <laughs> we got to get a soundboard, Brent. <laughs> How do we do this? So in some ways, though, I look at the death of Feed Demon the same way that you talked about the death of Google Reader. Um, mm-hmm. I think it opens things up for more innovation. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I liked Feed Demon at the time, I mean, it, it originally took almost an email-like approach, which I think turned out to be the wrong approach eventually. I think it was great for the time, but these days you would you would do something totally different, right? Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. You know, in the back yeah, of my mind, and I think in the back of yours, uh, you know, we we had hoped that we'd be able to completely redo the UIs of our software and take a completely new approach to RSS reading. But once you have a, a decent sized audience, you just can't pull you the can't rug. Do it. Yeah, 
So it never happened. We were talking about this, I think, last week, about how you know leveraging something like a Google Reader, someone else's service, basically, is like low cost of entry, right? Like you just build in and in, build it in, you're done, right? Yeah. But it yeah. leaves all the problems of the what happens when they decide to drop a thing, right? This is the whole free versus paid argument. And it's like in hindsight, yeah, it seemed like a good idea. It was quick, easy, and dirty. But yeah, it didn't work out so great, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talk about this all the time because um, I, I think I've talked to you about this, Nick. One of my companies is Hockey App. Yeah. And we charge, right? We charge for our distribution. And obviously, we have Android and iOS and everything. But we get a lot of complaints about why aren't we free, and we're not free because we're going to be in business. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's the best reason. Yeah. And, and we get, we have the customers who are like, please never be free. If you ever have an opportunity to be free, you know, we're going to leave you. Like we, get, we have people telling us they'll leave us. Huh. And it just, it, it, it is a great example of if you rely on someone else's stuff, well, that someone else can go away. And if they were a free service, you really shouldn't rely on them. That's, that's just, I know there's a lot of lessons learned here, but it's really just hard to obviously also say no to something that's easy and free. Right. But yeah, a lot of penalties, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, I, I'd written a blog post about this uh, a few years ago, I think. It's just as soon as you decide to tie your application to anybody else's API, you've automatically shortened the life of that application. Yeah, you know, maybe they'll change the API and break your app. Uh, that certainly happened to me with Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times, in fact. Now, yeah. I've been burned. I've been burned too. I mean, everyone's been burned by the free or going away or shutting down or whatever. But it never ceases to amaze me when stuff goes away, like Mailbox, right? Got acquired, like or Sparrow. People go crazy, like they weren't expecting it. I mean, Sparrow. I guess I'd argue I would understand that one because it was a paid app. Yeah. Right. But so that was a bad example. But free apps, you know what I mean? Like the mailbox mm-hmm. stuff. People go nuts like, how could you take this away? Like, really? You weren't paying for it. You didn't own anything. You didn't buy anything. You didn't support anything. And you didn't contribute anything. Why would you be surprised that they made a business decision? I mean, why would you be surprised that the business decision was free to make a business decision like getting acquired, right? And people say, hey, I supported you by using your software. Yeah, could you imagine? Oh, gosh. Oh, thanks for all the help. I had a couple arguments. (laughs) It was about a month ago with some people over this other company that had been acquired. And I was just like, like, they were literally angry about this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. then go write the app. You know what? Here's how you saw their developers. Go write the app. You can write it. Recreate the service. Get some VC funding. Go recreate it. We're actually going through that right now. There's an app that I want that doesn't exist. And we're actually developing it internally, you know, with Flexibits. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to probably get some contractor. It's a long story, but basically we don't have the cycles. But I want this app so bad that I'm developing it. We'll try to sell it and make some money. And if we do, great. And if we don't, I got the app, right? Right. But it's better than sitting along waiting for someone else or complaining. And if you're in the position that you're a software developer, then damn, you have a business, you have a business idea. That's sure. what I also don't get. You see all these ideas out there. Like Brett and I were joking around with the Google graveyard last week. Yeah. That's like a map of business plans. Go make one of those businesses. Because if you surely want it that passionately, other people do. Go make it happen, right? Yeah. But, you know, the, the whole free thing is, is such a problem for de- uh, independent developers. It is. And that, well, all right, so back to the hockey app thing, what blows my mind is that the people asking for this free thing are people with paid apps on the app store. 
And it's like, let me get this straight. You want a tool that helps you get symbolicated crash reports, that helps you distribute beta bills, that helps you have analytics and feedback, right? All this stuff that helps you make better apps to make better sales, and you're not willing to pay for it. Let me just get this straight. And even better, we have an, we have an indie plan for $10 a month, dude. $10 a month, right? But they won't pay for it. They think that's too expensive. But they want to sell their app on the App Store and expect people to buy it. Huh. Yeah, that's bullshit. And I'm telling you, this stuff happens all the time. That's why I'm passionate about it. It's like, I can't even believe how someone could want to, A, sell their app for a price, but B, not pay a price for something that helps them sell their app for a price. It just, it doesn't add up whatsoever. Yeah, sure. All right, ran over. <laughs> how did you become an Android developer, Nick? Oh, that's completely your fault. Uh <laughs> You switched from being a Mac an virus answer, to being... Yeah. Yeah, what a lead-in that was. <laughs> I mean, you were a, a Delphi, even, Windows developer, so Android was quite a stretch. Oh, it was a major stretch, yeah. I mean, the backstory of this is, uh, what, you had called me or emailed me the night before Thanksgiving. I'm on, you know, I'm on, in the car on the road for three hours to uh, relatives' houses. Get this email. And, and you had already, already left NewsGator at this point, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, and you said that, you know, you're helping form this company called Sepia Labs. You want to do some mobile social software. And long story short, did, did I want to work on Android? Um, and, and Brent, Brent had known that I've been itching to do mobile development for a long time. Uh, but my original response was, well, you realize I've never even picked up an Android phone, right? <laughs> Let alone develop for one. Uh, and your response was something like, uh, yeah, but you're able to do full products. Um, so we figure you can learn Android. And I said, well, that sounds great. Let me give it a shot. Uh, and then once again, buried myself in the basement, this time for, I think, two months solid. Uh, just, I had Java books all over the place, uh, you know, Android books, uh, all sorts of emulators, and just taught myself the uh, slow process of uh, Java, Eclipse, and Android. Uh, That's a lot to take in all at once. Uh, new frameworks, new language, and new IDE. On, oh, yeah. on, a new, on a new device. I mean, you hadn't written for mobile yet. And plus, just to make it harder, I uh, ditched Windows and switched to the Mac. Oh, right, of course. So now you can't copy and paste anymore because <laughs> I couldn't right? figure out the fucking keyboard <laughs> shortcuts. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I go back to Windows development now and I, I've forgotten the keyboard shortcuts there. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was a big change. But you know, I said to myself, if I'm going to make a change, you know, just go all in. Mm -hmm. So I did, and it took a few months to, you know, really build something that that I'd want others to see. Uh, but what that was two and a half years ago, something like that. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, I've been doing uh, Android daily pretty much nonstop since then. Mm -hmm. So how do you like it? Uh, you were an iPhone user, and now you're obviously an Android user and developer. Um, are, you, are you glad you went with Android? Are, are you enjoying writing for that platform? You like the frameworks, uh, et cetera? Yeah, actually, I, I do like it an awful lot right now. I did not at first. Uh, when I started, Android 2.2 was the dominant uh, platform, and I didn't like it. I thought the UI was just amateurish. I didn't like how things worked. Uh, it didn't have that buttery smoothness of scrolling in the, the iPhone mm. app. It, it mm. just was not an integrated platform. Uh, it's but very then, fragmented. Even you can even feel it using it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
It was like somebody had uh, somebody separate had developed separate pieces of the operating system and they had their own ideas. Exactly. Totally well <laughs> described. Uh, but then Android 4 uh, came out, and Google did the right things to make that popular, like coming out with some great cheap phones that uh, offered it. And once that came out, then I really warmed up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I actually do like it better than iPhone, which I know cool. is going to piss off a lot of the listeners. Uh, no, I don't think so. If they yeah. can stand us um, having a, a Microsoft as a sponsor, they can hear about you liking Android. That's true. Out, I think, yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying Android development an awful lot these days. Um, I think now it is very well designed. Uh, I think the APIs are, are well designed. And I guess I like it because now it makes sense to me. And it took me, uh, you know, years too to get to to get to that point mm-hmm. so one thing that i can't remember who said it first maybe it was a few people but it's been said that um, google and you could probably include microsoft and facebook are getting better at design faster than apple is getting better at web services and social stuff well yeah i, I definitely agree with that i mean i love yeah. apple but i don't I, I don't use the apple cloud services or anything Mm-hmm. I, I use their apps. Right. I use their operating systems. Uh, it's, it's very clear Apple has always been a products company, not a services company. Right. Mm-hmm. Dabbled in services. I mean, you can go back as far as iTools. Heck, you can go back as far as America Online when they did um, eWorld, right? Oh, I yeah, forgot we, about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I didn't. Uh, you could, Thanks you for could, the memory. You could argue <laughs> they've always had services, right? Right. But it's always been kind of a... I can't tell if it's they've had to do it. They're kind of like, oh, we got to do it. We got to try, you know, to see what sticks. Or if it's just that they're like, all right, we'll try something. We know we need it because everyone wants it. But to me, I mean, eWorld was a pretty big mission at that time, right? I mean, it really was AOL with a different frame as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about right. But, but you know, it was, it, was, it was good for what it was at the time. But, you know, fast forward to now in 2013 where the cloud and the social and the interaction and all of that are like kind of the whole the whole reason everyone does everything you know apple was at the forefront of this mobile thing right they dominated the phone but yet they didn't see why they dominated the phone that's the biggest thing i think apple's missing here and i don't usually uh i mean i don't like to pick on anyone because it's easy to cite you know armchair quarterback or whatever but Apple made the device that basically made the mobile revolution, that basically made all these people that want all this stuff, and yet they never saw what people really wanted. Huh. What do people really want, Michael? I think people really want an integrated experience to communicate with people. The whole purpose of having a phone, right? So let's start with the core functionality, phone, right? What does a phone do? It lets you talk and communicate to others, Mm -hmm. right? Well, they got that down. They have a great phone. So now let's take it up a level. Okay, well, you tweet and you do Facebook and you do email and you do apps and you do game sharing and all these things are still somewhat intertwined with communicating with other people, right? Being social. I mean, the whole device is a social device. That's why it's mobile. That's why you want it on you at all times is so you can pick it up and potentially just talk to Brent Simmons any time of the day, right? Mm -hmm. Play a game with Brent Simmons, email Brent Simmons, whatever. So it's just very interesting. Now, Apple is a company that they've always said, we don't design what people think they you know we design what we think people want or what they don't know that they want right i mean right i'm I'm paraphrasing but obviously i got the quote wrong but the thought is still the same apple regardless is doing themselves a disservice by not looking at really the killer app of the iphone and i think that is social 
I mean, look at the companies like Facebook and Twitter, etc., that have grown tremendously because of the iPhone, which, of course, also because of the Android devices, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying Apple only has mobile, but they obviously have the huge share of it. Yeah, right. But yet Apple somehow doesn't look at Facebook or Twitter or Dropbox. I mean, I know there was that discussion they were going to acquire Dropbox, but they don't look at all the growth of these other companies and say, hey, this is what people are actually buying. This is the key. This is what people are buying our devices for, right? Mm -hmm. They're not buying an iPhone just because they want to buy an iPhone. I mean, sure, they want an iPhone, but what's the end game? They want to use these services. Right. Sure. And I shouldn't... I think they get that to a certain point. I mean, they have added, for example, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the way it's done, but they have added better Twitter and Facebook integration into the uh, operating system. Um, I think they've... Sure, sure. I will say in iOS 6, the integration of Twitter and Facebook is actually pretty well, I'll say well, well done, because it works, right? You just enter your stuff and boom, you have access to it. Sure. The thing I don't like, of course, is it's limited to Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, that's correct. And, and it's limited to really what Apple wants you to do, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, as a developer, for example, so fantastic how our app has a certain amount of Facebook stuff in it, the iPhone version I'm talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a Facebook uh, account created and calendars getting your Facebook stuff, you know, events, uh, calendar events, we can get them as well. But there's nothing really built in for us to kind of like, hey, by using this, we can do all these other things. It's very restricted to what the system gives you. Well, going back also to uh, something Brendan mentioned about Microsoft and Google seem to get be getting designed faster. Uh, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, Microsoft certainly made a bold statement with the Windows Phone 8. I mean, that's just, uh, or I guess it was Windows Phone 7 that it started with the whole Metro UI. That was a huge change for them. And, and they're so unexpected. I had no idea they would even try something so different. Yeah. Metro is actually 8. Metro is from 8. I mean, did they change something in 7? But I, I know Metro was 8. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I honestly have changed something in seven. I kind of lost track until when they did Metro. They actually got my attention. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's a huge change for them. One, just to kind of get design better, but two, not to make it look like Windows. Yeah, instead yeah, or made, anything else. They made yeah. they made Windows look like it instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Android or Google has been doing a much better job with design in the past year. Have you seen their iPhone, iPhone apps? I've been using their iOS Maps app, and the design is just way beyond anything I've, I've seen Google do on iOS before. Hmm. I, I think it's wonderful. I really like that app. And I have to say, you know the Google app, like the Google search app? Mm-hmm. Have you guys tried that at all on iPhone? I have not, no. So not an iPhone, no. It, it's a search app, but the beautiful thing is that it has the goggles thing where you could use like a camera to take scans. It'll tell you what it is, and then you can also use the voice. The voice experience, I hate to say it, but I'm going to blow Siri away. <laughs> Good for them. It's instant. It's fast. As you talk, it parses what you're saying as you say the words. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's built into Android, too. And every, exactly. every app can take advantage of that. So a lot of the stuff, uh, Brent, that you saw me posting on Glattboard, uh, Glattboard, Glattboard. on Glassboard, I actually was speaking because I hate typing on those damn phones. Uh-huh, sure, of course. Yeah, their, their speech recognition and this like, you know, natural machine stuff, which, of course, I love because of Fantastical, mm-hmm. um, is done a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which for a company like Apple that cares about human interface, it's very surprising, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see uh, what Apple comes out with this summer. So yeah, I wonder. We, uh, yeah. Speaking of Glassboard, should we go to the Glassboard comments and then maybe start to wrap up soon? Or should we uh, keep going with Nick? I'm, I, I don't care either way. I'm just, I'm arbitrating, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, let's see. Um, I was fine until you called me baby. <laughs> I was talking to Brent. Oh, how, okay. How dare you? <laughs> um, how dare you? Let's we see. Don't have much yeah, I guess, I guess my, my big question is, have you guys hired someone to replace me yet? <laughs> He's, he got you on this podcast just to ask you that. <laughs> yes, actually, we have, and uh, he, oh, likes beer. he likes beer, okay. so he's a good replacement. Uh, can you say who it is? Um, I'm not sure if I can say that yet. It, All right. Yeah. Better to err on the side of caution. Don't say I, anything. I hope it's that one kid. Well, it is one, but I don't know which one. <laughs> yeah, so right. the glass board, shall we? <laughs> yeah, sure. What kind I'm of helping Nick out here. Nick's yeah. getting uncomfortable. I don't want our guests being uncomfortable. No. Well, maybe a little. No, All right, so I'm I, used to Brent. Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so sad. I don't think this is the real Will Ferrell because it's missing an L on the Will and the Ferrell. Oh, so it's uh, yeah, okay. Unless it's real, this could really be Will Ferrell. Well, here's the thing: it's not Will Ferrell from Hollywood. No, but it's the real is, Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it might be the original Will Ferrell. Hmm. So you can ask the question, Brent. I like when you ask the questions like you're like you're speaking for them. All right. Let's see. He's got a couple questions. One was. As a customer of an app, would you feel more secure by having the data of an app you currently currently use stored or backed up um, in an external database maintained by the app developer, or would you rather have your app backed up just the SQLite file itself backed up? And I think the answer there is uh, your users don't care; they just want to know that uh, that the data is backed up and it's secure. Actually, I have a better answer. I would go with backing up to a database maintained by the developer and encrypt that database or encrypt the sensitive columns because you right. might leave a username column unencrypted, but encrypt the columns that contain user-created data. Would you agree with that? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. But, but, you know, but the users are probably, you know, if you give them that much detail, they're not really going to care. That's the right way to do it. But the thing to tell users is just, yes, it's backed up and yes, it's secure. Brent has very good advice. Will also asks if uh, if that thing with the the queue. Oh no! Uh, don't get me started, please. Yeah, please. we've already done this. Yes, if that's, yeah, we did this. Will, Will, we did this. Yeah, is that the new marketing tactic? And the answer oh, is boy. yes. And we we must never mention it ever again. Oh my God! All right, you know, so we don't have so, forty five minutes for Michael to go on about this. We don't. But I want to tell you something. It was an April Fool's queue API joke. Did you see this? No. I found this the other day. I have to. We'll get it in the show notes. But basically, someone went through the the trouble of making it would look like a like a posting from like a um, like Mashable or one of the blogs did this, and they pretended like they were reviewing a new API that allowed you to add queuing to your app as a marketing gimmick. <laughs> but it was an April Fool's joke. It was the whole thing was an well, April Fool's joke. It's an April Fool's joke until next month when someone actually comes out with it. Yeah, well, that was the whole thing. I read it, and I'm like, I was, I, they actually got me, because I'm like, no, no one did this. No one did this. Please, no one did this. And then, <laughs> and then they were like, ah, April Fool's. I was like, oh, thank God. I try not to read anything on April 1st. It's the worst day of the year. I agree. As a, yeah, I'm a voracious reader. I can hardly stop myself. But that one day, I have to not. I, I don't even answer the phone, because my brother always calls up with some prank. Mm, yeah, no kidding. Actually, I, I usually um, don't answer the phone anyway. Yeah, why would you? Yeah, I might not be able to find this because this was something that I'd seen on Twitter. I laughed about it and like Googling for just like Q API April Fools. I'm just it's not finding it. Oh, it's called Re Reservation List, right? Reservation mm. April Fools. I have to find this. This was pretty well done. Yeah, no, I can't find it. Oh well, well, 
there was someone that did an April Fool's joke about a reservation API, and it was very. Um, it got my it got my blood boiling, and then I was like, "Yes, April Fools!" And then I realized, "Yes, someone's going to probably try to do this." Oh, here it is: queuing theory. All right, I got it. it was, so it was a TechCrunch. TechCrunch actually played an April Fools' joke, hmm. and they made it look like they were reviewing a real product. And the headline is: queuing theory lets any app offer a mailbox-like reservation system, even if it's just for building buzz. And that's the, that's a pretty good April Fools. Oh, it's a great one. You will have to. We'll definitely yeah. have to link to it, Brent. I'll okay. give you the link in our uh, in our chat. I'll give you the link. Cool. Yes. So let's see what else. So Nick, um, what's what's next for you? Um, I, I got a question for you. What's next? I mean, what are you working on now? What do you see that you want to keep working on? I mean, you kind of like the news subscription server. You know, what, what, what do you like? What's going on? Sure. Well, of course, I, I still enjoy working on Glassboard. Um, and more recently, I've become the director of user experience at NewsGator. Oh, and yeah, so the first slowly one. Be- so you're going to actually <laughs> fix all the things that Brent did wrong? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what we're hiring another developer for. <laughs> <laughs> you could build an entire company just on fixing things that I did wrong. <laughs> yes. Simmons Fix It Inc. We're hiring an unbrenter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so I'm slowly becoming tasked with uh, taking over uh, a lot of the UX for uh, all their products. And I'm still their only uh, Android developer. And uh, what, about a month ago, put out uh, the new Android version of their social sites app, um, which, of course, a lot of people are not going to have heard of. It's, a, it's an enterprise application. You have to be running their software on your server in order to use it. But uh, that was a pretty major challenge, uh, you know, God, it's probably about 10 times the size of Glassboard. There's a, there's a lot to it. Mm. But uh, uh, So how, how did it turn out? Was it a good shipment? People happy with it? As far tell, as I can... Tell them the numbers. He's looking for the numbers. Come on. No, no. no I, I'm I actually looking for the numbers. I, I don't like numbers. I just want to hear that you know people liked it. It was a success. I'm hearing good things about it, yes. Of course uh-huh. they did. Cool. Which, which is nice. Stuff. But it's I, also kind of sh- nice because you know Glassboard was the first thing I wrote on Android. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to start on another product uh, with that past experience, mm-hmm. you know, and say, okay, this time I know how to do things uh, right the first time, so I don't have to go back and redo it the second, third, and fourth time. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a lot, awful lot of that for me on Glassboard. Yeah. Okay. I, I should admit to our listening audience that uh, the app that Nick is speaking of. I actually worked on it. Was the last. It was the last stuff I did. I didn't do any That's coding right. for it, but I, I did a little Photoshop, a couple mockups, whatever. Yeah, so, you did a lot of mockups. Uh, yeah. You also wrote that piece that would uh, do hyperlinks and rich text inside the uh, the text control. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Had to get done. That was the only the only actual code I think I contributed, but it was the f- weird because it was I think in my entire career the first time I worked on an app and then wasn't around for the actual shipping of the app. Yeah, and that's right. So it was kind of strange, you know, not really to know hey how, how it went, you know. So it's good to know that people like it. Yeah, this is a little different than than something like Glassboard though. It's not like it comes out and everyone just rushes to get it. Um, you know, it's the enterprise market. They adopt things a lot more slowly and glacially. Yeah, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, let's pretty much wraps this up. Oh, that was good. Are we out of time? We're at, we're out of time, folks. <laughs> That's our sign off, Nick. 
because we're very important people. We're out of time. Did we lose Nick again? No, I'm here. I just wasn't sure if you're really done. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're the you're the guest, so we're done when you say we're done. How about that? You're done. Right. Yeah, we're totally done. Nick, thank right. you so much for coming on. It was great having you. Yeah, oh, I enjoyed that. Pleasure, Thanks. and uh, we're glad you were our first guest. You'll always be our number one. Hey, mm-hmm. nice to be the first. So at this point, I stop recording and just save the file, right? Well, or- at this point, we uh, thank our sponsor, Windows Azure Mobile Services. Thanks, sponsor. And at this point, we thank our listeners for listening. Go ahead, Brent. Thanks, listener. And at this point, we all say goodbye. 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 Bye. And now you stop recording. All right. Leave Kathy's lip post everywhere. From Zanzibar to Barclay Square. But Kathy's only seen the sights the girl can see from Brooklyn Heights. What a crazy fair. The adores a minuet, the ballet roots, and crepe Suzette. Our patty loves to rock and roll, a hot dog makes her lose control. What a wild duet, still their cousins, identical cousins, and you find. They laugh alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. You can lose your mind when cousins are doing.